BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you want to relive the feels on Grey's Anatomy, Hulu is here for you. But what are you waiting for? Let's go. Every episode of Grey's Anatomy is now streaming on Hulu. Seriously. Every. I'm your person. Every. Now we dance it out. Every. McDreamy. Every. McSteamy. Every Grey's ever. Now streaming on Hulu. And the new season streaming March 15th. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. And that's what you really missed with Jenna and Kevin, an iHeartRadio podcast. And welcome back to And That's What You Really Missed, part two with the one and only Ryan Murphy. We know we left you on a cliffhanger last week when... Ryan dropped that little nugget that when they created Will Schuster, they apparently were interested in Justin Timberlake playing the part. So why don't we... I'm, we got to go back. Yeah. Right? We got to go back yeah. and, and check check out what he has to say. Let's dive deep on that one. I don't even think Justin Timberlake knows this, but there was like a one-week window and talking to his people where I thought maybe he was interested, but maybe that meant we interested in having a script dropped off at his front door. I don't remember. (laughs) I wasn't as facile at the star casting back then. But (laughs) that was our idea for Mr. Shoe was Justin Timberlake. And then it was very quickly like, um, yeah, Justin is booked for tours through 2013 or something. It's like, okay, no, Justin Timberlake. So (laughs) when that happened, I was like, well, let's just, let's just find everyone. And the only person that we just straight out offered it to was we kept talking about a Jane Lynch type, a Jane Lynch type. And finally I was like, let's just offer it to Jane. She's probably going to say no. Um, But to my shock and thrill, she said yes instantly. So she was the only real name. Mm. And then we just had this magical period where for six months we, we um, went all around the country and anybody who wanted to audition could send in tapes. And we looked at everybody and everybody and everything. And 
you know, and then had narrowed it down to, for each of the parts, three roles. And then we brought all of those actors, and I believe there were 50 actors in total, were brought to L.A., and you guys remember walking into these hideous fluorescently lit rooms oh with like all of these people Sterile. that you staring at you with notepads with pins ready to judge Gray you. Gray suits. Yep. It yeah. was the it was the most like cliche when like, we're going to go see the suits. It was uh, they were actually all in black suits sitting in this tiered room staring at you with no expression. And I had no power back then. Like mm. I was I I really was just like a, a voice in the wilderness, but there was a moment <laughs> in the casting of that show where I kind of would be the first person to speak. I would make sure like mm. I would, would talk first. And in both of your cases, I was, I remember saying it's Jenna or I don't want to do it. Or it's Kevin, <laughs> it's Kevin or I can't go on. I would say something like that because what are they going to say? <laughs> Um, and you know, there were uh, other people who were considered for, for your parts yes. and I don't really like to talk about that, but uh, many of them I've worked with, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. the weird thing about it is like you meet the people when you get to that uh, far in a casting process, people don't mm -hmm. know, like you meet the person that you're up against. You're sitting in the room with unless them. You're and you know unless you're Chris Colfer and you're against yourself, like you meet who you're Yes, that was written know. for him wow. based on his, he did a, a tremendous audition. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the, it was interesting. Like, I, I do remember that I would be not telling the truth if I didn't tell you. Like, you know, when I was working with Johnny Groff and Pretty Handsome, that's when I first met Leah. Mm -hmm. And so Jonathan and I were filming Pretty Handsome, and Leah came out to, to visit Jonathan. And, you know, that was also a period in time where the ideal look where people who were on like, you know, quote unquote look were on CW shows. Totally. You know? yes. And I remember Leah saying like, oh my God, I can't even get an audition on a goddamn CW show. Like it's really going to be hard for Same. me because, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I remember thinking like, oh, she'd be a really good Rachel. And I, I, in the writing, I think we would all start to, I don't think Brad and Ian knew Leah then, but I would kind of write in things that Leah and I had spoken about. So she kind of always was the front runner for that part. Mm -hmm. Like I could, you know, I, I do remember her auditioning and <laughs> me sneaking her sides, I think really early. So she was very familiar with what she was doing and Kevin Riley saying, well, thank God we found that actress because <laughs> it almost looks like it was written for her. And I was like, dun, 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 <laughs> kind of was. But it was it was um, yeah. it was really 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 fun to do the casting of that part and for all of your parts and um, and I was directing it too so right. it, I, I kind of was thinking like well you know and I had worked with Amber mm -hmm. Amber was um, little baby Amber came in was on my Delta Burke failed pilot another thing and I always wow. say that from every tragedy comes rebirth <laughs> but I never forgot. Amber and how great she was and I think we kind of thought of Mercedes for Amber to be quite honest but um there were other contenders but just you know but it was also like one of those things that once you guys got into the room and and read and you don't know this as actors because again no one ever tells you and sits you down and looks you in the eye and said you know what you were phenomenal that was mm -hmm. the best moment 
I think, in many of your auditioning lives because you just walked in and, and you nailed it. And also, even if you didn't kind of get some things right, it was sort of like, well, that's the person I want to hang out with. That's right. the essence of that character. Yeah. You, the spirit of who you all were as young people was the thing that I'm like, well, I want to I showcase that. Yes. I want to showcase... And of course, you know, the great irony, Kevin, is you were the big dancer in the cast and we put you in a wheelchair. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, if the show was made today, you couldn't cast me anyway. No, we couldn't. And that's another no. interesting thing to think about yeah. and yeah. that I talk about. Like, that would not have happened. There were many things that would no. not have happened. But um, it, it, was, it was a really magical, protected experience that was about um, hmm. talent and the love of talent and the love of actors and wow... And also, like, you guys had to read two scenes and sing a song, as I recall. Yes. yes. And, Kevin, I recall that your song was Let It Be, Am I Wrong? No, you're right. right. And so you yeah. and I used to have that joke where I'd just be like, Kevin, just yeah. let, let it be, be babe. You just walk up out of nowhere and I'd be like, this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> let it be, Kevin. But you were just so – but also yeah. what was so cute is everybody was really nervous and it was hard. Oh, and yes. I would. And what was it like when you guys – Oh, God. Got the call. Who called you guys? I Did I call you? No. no. It was my agent. My manager yeah. called me. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I wasn't allowed to because that was corporate policy where the that's casting right. person had to call that's the agent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. so you remember. You came in. Are you going to yeah. tell the story, Kevin? Go for it. Yeah. No, well, you came in. So I had already been in two days before for, was it Network? What, what was first? Studio, studio, studio network. network. Studio was first. Network studio. was So second. I did Studio, and then by Network, you had flown ev- all the people in from New York that we were testing with or against. Right. Mm. And then that's when Jenna was there. I had already met Chris. Mm. And you stuck your head in the room, and I, I had never tested for anything. And I was shocked I had made it to the fourth audition. And I have terrible nerves, for especially when auditioning. Me too. And you stuck your head in the room, and you go, Hi, everyone. And you're like, hi. And you're like, are, are you nervous? nervous? <laughs> Don't be nervous. We're more nervous than you are. And I remember you shut the door, and you it was sort of like popping uh, an inflated balloon because mm. you released, like, the tension, and we all started laughing. You're like, he's nervous. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Like, we have no – his show's getting made. But it was – I was like, that's very, so nice of him to come in here and acknowledge that, like, uh, they also have to pick someone. And they're yeah. also nervous about finding the right people. Yeah. And it's like, all right, we have a 50-50 shot here, everyone. Like, just, you know. I, had a li- I kind of instinctively knew, like, maybe in the back of my lizard brain, like, <laughs> this was my chance. This this show was my shot. Mm-hmm. And I've never prepared or worked harder than anything in, than in the preparation of directing that pilot. Wow. Like. I, I mean, the pilot's phenomenal. It, I watched it yesterday. It is. It's it still holds up. It, it, it's very good. From yeah, every detail, I mean, it's like y- you're just so. I worked hard. Oriented. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I I loved making it, and it was like. Yeah. It was such you a wonderful experience. We made it in the fall. It was beautiful mm-hmm. weather. I think you know. I remember shooting on Halloween right around Matt Morrison's birthday. birthday. Yep. That's right. That was one of that was the end. Our last day. That was the end. And yeah, that's right. It was just so fun. I remember, and I was, <laughs> you know, it was in my head, and nobody had ever directed in our world or made a musical. Right. So right. the you know the 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 Andrew Mitchell and I 
um, and Chris Baffa, who was doing the, who was our DP, like we were trying to figure out how do you, what is the language of making a musical? And like we kind of were, I had a very strong sense of what I wanted to do, but it was just joy. It was really fun. Yeah. And and, yeah. and then Jenny, you would ask me about the casting of the other, the other, yes, you know, the guest star cast. Like I'm trying to even think how that started. Um, who was our first celebrity? Kristen. Kristen. Chenoweth. Yeah. That was written for her. Mm. Um, I loved her. Um, I mean, everybody from like Stamos, you know, who we loved to, mm. I mean, Gwyneth and did, I mean, I would imagine that a lot of people were like, Hey, like by the time it, the show had kind of taken off, people were like, Ryan, please put me in this show. Yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of phone <laughs> calls and, um, you know, Oh, this is another hot piece of dish. That's really <laughs> good. I've never talked about this. Okay. So do you remember that the dish. role that Eve played? Yeah. Yes. I love Eve. Almost Whitney Houston had agreed to play that part. Oh, um, what? So yeah, I've given you some Justin Timberlake tea. Again, I don't know if Justin Timberlake ever knew about that, <laughs> but I thought, but Whitney Houston, that actually made it pretty far down the line. Wow. And I had a phone call with Whitney about that part. You um, talked to Whitney about it? Yes. Oh my God. Um, and that's Explain. <laughs> what was well, that conversation that, that like? Lovely and charming and sweet. Oh. And I don't, I don't think she was in the right place and time to mm. do it is all I'll say. But yeah, I remember even with her, her agent at the time, like she just loved that it was about kids and choir. And she was like, this is phenomenal. Like that you're doing a show about show choirs. And you know, she was in a choir, Whitney. Mm. And I just said, I think you as a teacher would be a great kind of thing oh. for you to play. And wow. she said, I agree. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, and then we talked about, I, I don't know, it was just, but she she didn't end up doing it, and Eve was phenomenal, but... She was. I, think I was that very that starstruck by Eve. Eve was fierce, but I think at the moment that I, I got close to Whitney Houston, I was like, well, there's other, there's people that we can put in here, and then, you know, right. um, I spent years trying to write a role for Jennifer Lopez, who's a friend. I could never figure out the right part, and her schedule I was... Cannot. And Anne Hathaway, like there were always people who wanted to do it, but we could never figure out the timing wow. that I called the one that got away. But they after were lovely e and great. After Eat, Pray, Love, like Javier Bardem said yes. he wanted to be on it. And I was That's like, right. please, can you please? All of them. All of them. Yeah, but the, every, uh, everybody, like there was a moment in time where. Because um, people wanted to come and show off. Like normally you see actors and they're just acting. Well, and they're like, I sing. Could sing. Right. I mean, yeah. yes. Kate, Kate I, Hudson and Sarah Kate Jessica Hudson. Parker, like all of them. They're incredible. And yes, and I would also starts. like to, speaking of Sarah, Jessica, do you know that I've gotten death threats about the turkey lurkey number? <laughs> <laughs> I would just like to say that I don't care. No, and I love that. Mm, I love, let's have a kiki turkey lurkey, <laughs> one of my faves. And I did really? not deserve the death threats. You I had not. a friend last night randomly text me about that number in particular mm. turkey and said, time. do you remember this number? And I was like, yes. He's like, I was walking my son with, with my husband and I thought it was a dream I had, and I had to go, <laughs> and I played it for my toddler, and he was like, huh? I, I, I stand by it. But the, but, the, but the thing about that was, you know, again, it was, a, it was a moment in time where you could turn on television, and there was Adele on Entertainment at Night talking about right. the Glee episode. Like, it was just something that people loved and wanted to be a part of it and right. um, wanted to – 
like I can sing. We all like it was it was fun. Sometimes I would do it. Sometimes I would search for, um, you know, and I like with Anne, I could never. The mm-hmm. timing was off, and with Jennifer, yeah. we could never find the right part. But it was always. But it meant a lot that people at that level would reach out and say, we see what you're doing and we love what it's about and it's cool and God, you know, what I wouldn't have killed to have been a kid and been able to see something like that on the air. That was always the running thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I wish this had been on the air when I was a kid and I felt that too. Right, right. Uh, And that was the reason why, you know, but for a while there I did have a really lucky golden Rolodex. I really did. You and did. it was it was fun. It was special for us too. We got to meet all these really awesome people who came oh in God. and were like, I'm a fan of you and you're like, wait a sec, you're a fan of the show first. But like also yeah. that's really uh, that means a and lot, I, you know. And I got to have moments that remain with me like um when I was growing up, one of my idols was Carol Burnett. And that show aired at 10 o'clock and my father used to get so mad that I would sneak out of bed and (laughs) watch it. And I get to have a moment with Carol Burnett on the set of Glee where I got to hold her hand and say, when I was a child, I felt completely like an alien and you made me laugh and I recognized in you some energy that I wanted to have. And then of course I broke down and she rubbed my back, but I got to have <laughs> moments like mm-hmm. that with people that I grew up loving. And, yeah. yes. and I got to say like, you know, Burt Bacharach. Yeah. Yes. Like I got to say, thank you. Wow. You meant something to me. You influenced my life and other people's lives. And you know, the, the moving thing about that is m- nine out of 10 times, those icons would say, wow, really? They have no idea how people feel about mm-hmm. them because mm-hmm. people are too shy yes. in expressing love and expressing you meant this to me, you know? So I got to have those moments, as I'm sure you guys did. Oh, yeah. You oh, know, my God. so many of them with so many great icons. You know, Stevie was one, and that yes. started a relationship with me and her and that continues to this day. It was just – it was – I was lucky and I'm, I'm very humbled by it. And I think now, like what if, if Glee were on the air, like who do you, who would you guys like to put on? Was it, do you have a bucket list? Oh my God. Um, Still Beyonce. Well, Beyonce. Yes, obviously. I know Uh, you guys were always mad that I never did a Beyonce tribute episode. I feel like, I feel like Lizzo (laughs) would have been like the newer, um, like also, yeah. we would have done mm-hmm. a Lizzo, lot of Lizzo songs, right? Zendaya, mm-hmm. Zendaya would be great to guest star. Oh yes, Zendaya she would be good. Oh, you know, yeah. like my only regret, the I only have one regret musically, which I, I wish, I, I probably wouldn't have done it then, but like, I really wanted to do a Taylor Swift tribute episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of tried. A little bit. We certainly did Taylor songs, but I think she's so amazing, and those songs would have worked so well on Glee. Taylor Swift was kind of the one that got away, but yeah. um, God, there's so many Beyonce. I, we should have. I wish we could have figured out, but Beyonce's hard though. In ter- like that was like doing the Michael episode, where it's like, who can sing all these songs? Right. The Michael episode, which almost killed us. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what tore us apart. <laughs> that was episode. the worst shoot of all time because it was so <laughs> long. It was so hard. Oh God. I just remember that I was so paranoid about, like, because I was obsessed with Michael. And you were like, okay, you can come in and pitch us songs. Yeah, tell me and what you want. Right. Yeah, I was like, what? Michael was, was like, my breaking point. I wasn't in the Michael episode. Oh, that's right. You got fired. 
fired for an episode. No, did I you really? I didn't get fired for an episode. You got suspended. I was, I was told to go take a vacation. Oh. Yeah. It was, yes. and honestly, we've never talked about this, but it was like my mental, it was like yeah. my mental health episode. Was that right after you did the video with Gaga? I think it, when was that? It was right around that time, Kevin. Yes, yes that's it right. Was. Yeah. That's right. That's right. When Gaga called you, Ryan, to ask if Jenna could do the video. Yes, when Gaga <laughs> called and said, hi, you need to release Jenna for three <laughs> weeks. Something like that. I'm like, I'll do anything you say. It was like two nights. Um, she got me out. But yeah, yes, it was nothing. Was but yeah, you know what? I, it, I think that, yeah, you look back on those moments, right, that yeah. we all had, and, and they seemed so overblown. Yes. And Michael was a big one. <laughs> uh, you know, and of course now, Jenna, if you had said, you know what, I'm a young person who yes. is not loving wow. or adjusting well to the schedule, yes. to the limelight, yes. to yes. trying to figure out who I am as a person, I need a minute. Yeah. That would have been, it would have been like, you know what, Jenna? Here is it. two tickets to Hawaii paid for by the corporation, and please yes, do it. Go take but care back of then, yourself. there was no language or, or no, so there was it was no like, vocabulary it, just, it, it was just, um, it, it, you know, ex- keep it down, keep it down, keep it down. And then yeah. you explode, and everybody says, what's wrong with you? You know, what, what's right. going on? Versus and me, as like your roommate at the time, I think I also didn't even see, recognize right. what was going on because I was still tired and just going right. to work and. Right. Like, to me, it was surprising, too. Yeah. Because you just didn't know to look for these things. Like, oh, we're all doing the same thing. We're fine. If I'm fine, she's fine. Well, and then, like, you have, like, these crazy episodes with these massive things that every the press is talking about. And, you know, you're going, all these, like, social pressures are now, like, pushing down on you externally that you're, like, you don't even have the time or energy to actually look inward and say, like, I need a second. Right? It's just you act out or you act or you explode or whatever it is and you know you're an emotional mess and you don't know how to quite regulate what you're feeling or uh, you know tell anybody what's going yeah, on. Yeah, and I think the other thing at the time was there was just like I said it but there was no there was no corporate language. Right, like right. you are an employee and you signed a contract and we're shooting and what do you mean you don't feel like going in which it's is going mm-hmm, to require exactly. a rewrite. But exactly. it, it was just a different time and I don't think that any uh, anybody knew. No. No. the vernacular of about but i'm glad that you got that time and <laughs> i, I don't uh, you know it's all a blur like i it, it, i just remember like what do you i don't really want to do a super bowl episode i really don't oh want to gosh. because it's like why are people who people who watch the super bowl are, are not, not going to right. watch glee and it, we're just going to get attacked and picked on and that was the it took a month never ended. it took a month to shoot that episode it did, and there was great things that came out of it. Yes. Like there was there there are moments that remain indelible, but it was a <laughs> lot of pressure. And um, that's when I had bronchitis and the flu. Well, we kept getting canceled. The night shoots um, to for Thriller kept getting canceled because everybody kept getting strep or passing it around, and we'd have mm-hmm. to cancel that's the night shoot if somebody couldn't show up. Yeah, there were in the Michael Jackson estate was very very particular about you know how we were going to you know when I suggested we were going to mash up Thriller with Heads Will Roll it was it was uh, hours of mm-hmm. of conversations and they didn't like it was just a lot and yeah. I do rethink that that probably was the apex of we were all like you know what <laughs> this has got to calm down now because <laughs> yeah. this this yes. cannot sustain it felt like that's that. right it physically we, felt this like is that. too yeah. much and was that season three. 
Yes. Two. Oh. I think it was two. Michael Jackson, I don't think, was two. No, was was it, was Jackson it, was, was three, it? but Super Bowl was two. The Super Bowl was two. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, Super Wait, Bowl was two. what was our Super Bowl episode? So that we was thriller. thriller, Heads Would Roll, and then Michael okay, was Okay, right. Separate. Okay, that's why I'm yes. confused. Yes. See, it's yeah. a blur. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it 22 episodes, is. like, it, it all is just a blur. But it does. It, it, all it, was, it was at that end of season two. I'll <laughs> never forget it. It was at the end of season one. It was like, yay, we get to go on a tour to a mall. <laughs> what do you, Radio City, yay. Yes, yes. Oh, my God, look, there's a T-shirt. <laughs> and then at the end of season two, what? Kill me. No, <laughs> we don't want to do that. We, do you we remember, we, didn't we call you into, like, our rehearsal room to, like, have a talk with you? To, like, I don't think we can do this. Yes, yes, you did. Yes. Because there were, we were there were many moments like that. There was a moment where we're like we can't do this and I'm like, well, I I, I don't know what to do. Right. Like I'm I'm an employee too here. But I, I will say that our bosses had they really they were great and they had great compassion and it was one of those things where this had never happened before. Mm -hmm. So there was no roadmap for any of us in any way to understand anything that we were doing. Right. Um it was sort of like, you know, well, stumbling towards the next and milestone. and there's this like dichotomy weird. of like we don't want to say no they don't right. want to say no nobody knows boy. how to kind of yeah. say like i'm at my ropes at and like we just don't know how to we didn't know how to do that there was no roadmap for it and so i, I look back at it now and it's like okay so you have these group of actors who've given you 10 months of their year to shoot 22 episodes and now you want them to go on a musical tour I wish I could have gone to tour with fresh eyes because going yeah. stepping into any arena now to see yeah. a, an artist perform, you're like, God, they're so lucky. This is so cool. <laughs> and I, I say that to Kevin every time. I'm like, I wish I appreciated tour more. But how could you? You were like, you know, we, we no. were all kind of being no. just, it was we a nutty time. We had three days off in between wrapping the season before we went to Vegas to start oh, the Vegas. arena tour. Well, how were those three days? Because I didn't have three days off. <laughs> Did you enjoy them? Was it fun? <laughs> Try just, writing I, 22 I episodes, Kevin. We, uh, s we slept. Um, look, okay. I was the one that enjoyed the tour the most. I had a he great did. time. He did. It was, he was all like, of my guys, dreams we're on tour. come true. <laughs> oh, yeah. I we got to London, and the girls disappeared. They all just fell off the face. They were crying in their room. <laughs> and I remember putting why my were they Why were you crying? Because they all had lost like, it. We had lost it. We they were exhausted. Oh, Everybody sure, yeah. wanted to go home and see their family. Our, <laughs> our we had sold out seven shows in a row at the O2 in London. So cool. And walking up to the stage to like take our places for the first show, I had my arm around Leah. I'm like, Leah, isn't this amazing? We're at the most famous arena in the <laughs> entire world. Sold out. And, and, and we're going to do seven sold out shows. And I was genuine. Like, I, that right. was my dream. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I just want to see my family. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Mm. We were tired. Well, you know, we youth is yeah. wasted on the young. And that, that is, is yeah. very true. It's so true. Like, but I, like, I understood oh. it. I understood. Like, yeah. the people didn't have the same dreams I had. Like, I wanted to be a musician, a pop star. Uh -huh. And this was the only way I was going to get to be able to do it. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Imagine upgrading your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high-quality items priced within reach. Like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14-karat gold jewelry. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices in premium fabrics and finishes. We love that. Okay, so Quince sent me a lovely fisherman sweater. It's 100% cotton, and it looks real expensive, but it wasn't. I went back and I bought three more in different colors, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you did. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash really for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash really to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash really. Ryan, you said you wanted to be editor in chief of Vogue growing up, but like you, your fashions have always been very um, iconic, if you will. And, um, talk about like your your love for costumes and the details of like all of that going into the pilot mm. and the show because it was mm-hmm. so specific Meticulous. and also so telling of our characters. That's a yeah, I was just talking to somebody about that. You know, the thing the thing that I love the most in my life is creating a world and then entering into it, and that was always evidenced by my childhood. You know, I grew up in Indiana. Literally in the backyard was a cornfield and a church. And I would be reading articles in the local paper, the Liz Smith column about Studio 54, and I couldn't Mm -hmm. go there. So I turned my bedroom into Studio 54. I found (laughs) reference photos, and I made a disco ball, and I made my room look like, like, I made my room look like Studio 54. Then, for example, when Grace Kelly died, I took a photograph of Grace Kelly to the local hardware store and said, see the color of her eyes. I want to paint my room the color of Grace Kelly's eyes. Can you make me this color? And they were like, what? But they did. Wow. 
So I always did that. And that was a way to escape my pain, I think. You know, mm-hmm. a tortured, picked on little gay kid. So once I started to do things in Hollywood and, and I started off writing movies and none of them got made and then I did a television show and I instantly loved it because I'm like, oh, I can make a world. I can create something that is in my head and other people can kind of have a portal to, to do it. So everything that I do, um, you know, I spend a lot of time um, on the costumes, on the sets, on the colors. And when I was doing Glee specifically, I thought it had to be so bright and poppy and inviting from the sets to the costumes to the way it was lit because maybe people wouldn't hang around in a musical number, but they would if it was like a candy box. Mm. So I was it was always that level of detail. And, you know, I do have really bad OCD. I've been treated for it. I've been on medication for it. And mm. it does not go away no matter what I do. It becomes less as I get older. But it becomes a way to put my anxiety. So I, one of the things about my life that I love is is that I will stay up until two in the morning, researching and referencing different patterns and colors. Mm-hmm. Like I'm working on a thing right now about Truman Capote, mm-hmm. and I'm doing that. Like so, it's like, well, I want to go to La Cote Bass, 1975, a famous restaurant in New York. So. Right. Let me fall into that wormhole. I've loved that part of my life, but that's also been a torment for me because mm-hmm. anybody who has OCD knows that it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. And but it's was a. It's, I think that looking back on it, it's all been a place to put my anxieties, but more than that, my hopes and optimism. But I love that, and I I spent a lot of time on all of it. Like just, I remember painting the the lockers in those hallways of glee the mm-hmm. hours of research about the exact right shade of course mm-hmm. i can't remember what michael jackson episode it was so that's because <laughs> i'm growing old but um i did spend a lot of time and energy on it i spent a lot of time and energy on the 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 costumes that you guys wore mm-hmm. and that that began the phase of my career that i call my funko pop doll phase yes. where if you're going to have a character you have to instantly think about how do I make that character a doll Mm. so that it's instantly iconic and has its own iconography. So, you know, Tina had her own (laughs) likes and dislikes. Artie had his own. He would never wear that. Like, it's just things that I instantly just, I had mood boards and all of those things. And I do think that that was a way in for many people. The the clothes, the sets, the... It just was kind of a delicious um, world, the glee world. It wasn't the real world. And I always say, like, I don't want to live in the world, the real world. I want to live in my world. And I get to create my world. How lucky am I Mm. to do that? Like, I have very specific rules when I create things. You know, I just did this show about Jeffrey Dahmer that's very popular. And people are kind of obsessed with why so much yellow what's up with mm. the yellow mm. and when i made that show it was based on i saw one picture of a, of a hallway in jeffrey dahmer's apartment that had this very weird fluorescent lighting and i kept trying to figure out where is that color from and i finally found that color and it was in a urinal cake Ooh. 
the exact same shade oh. of yellow. So I kept holding up this thing saying, this is the color. Mm. Mm-hmm. And everything then bounced off that. Like how right. we lit it, the, the clothes, what does that mean? Got it's it. your way into the whole it's, world. It, it's Got just it. a concept. And so I'm very, um, those, those kind of things matter to me. And I'm always, you mm-hmm. know, before I sell any show, I um, have learned like, there's so much stuff that you kind of have to design the poster and you have to design the typography on the poster. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to have a concept before you make something because er, that's you have to or else you're going to get lost. Right. So all those things I spend a lot of time on. But thank you for noticing that. I mean, I never get to talk about these sort of weird things, but it yes. is the 2 a.m. decisions, you know. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, I think being on sort of like the receiving end of some of those things where – Anytime we go in with Lou, who did the costumes, and Who's also like, you two just genius. make an incredible team, mm. that everything was so specific. Where yeah. she knew the rules. Like if you set up yes. the rules of like this is she she com- got it. She speaks the same language. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and I the think old yeah, it's about like having her a who's an expert could yeah. completely just play within that with each of us. Yeah, there's. I think the like. I think people want rules and boundaries, both mm-hmm. as viewers and as department heads, and even as actors. Like, okay, well, this is the box that I get to be in. Right. Great. Like, there's there's totally. a discipline right. to it. You know, and I don't know how you guys felt, but I think as soon as I saw you in those costumes, I was like, well, there you go. There's your character. You knew right. what to do. It influenced everything. Well, there wasn't, and there wasn't a lot about like Tina in the pilot, right? Like even in my audition, you were like, "Can you improv a little? Can you just tell me who she right. is?" And I had done work on the plane to LA of like figuring out who she was. So I walked in right. with like a very specific um, idea of who, who you know and her intent. But like with um, the costumes, my first fitting, I looked like Artie. And I had mom jeans and these very like right. Um, I remember those pictures. Sweaters and yep. Lou called me and she said, "So we're we're taking a turn. I hope you're <laughs> good with this." And I, Ryan thinks you look too much like Artie. Let's let's switch it up. And I come in and I see all this chains and black. And I was vampire like, musical. I was yeah. I was game, but like walking stepping into those outfits, I was like, "Oh, this is this is who she is." this makes sense to me now. And then my audition song changed right away and like everything just kind of like clicked, you know, and, and, yeah. and that, you know, it was, it started with the costume, you know? Yeah. Because we, I just remember thinking Ian was always obsessed with Tina's stutter <laughs> in the pilot and like that idea. And I was like, well, what is that about? Like, is that even real? I mean, could we even do that today? Could you, could we even have done in that this day and age? Could we have a character? I don't know. I don't know. But it it just became sort of a, like, I always imagined her as someone who was shy and yet also secretly tough and had an armor, which Mm. is where that look came from. And once Lou and I, I remember saying, like, also, I think Jenna would look really good in a lot of purple. (laughs) And and that became a thing. And then, like, we just built it and it became... Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, you watch that pilot, and you're like, well, these are all Funko dolls. Like, they just yes. are. Like, they're all, f- right. every one of you, everybody from <laughs> Jane and with the tracksuit. Oh, those tracksuits. Like, yeah, who, I mean, that was your idea, the tracksuits. Yes, And that was, was. Was it the plan to always have her in tracksuits? Always. Like, you know, and some things were like, you figure out when you're building something. Like, all the inspiration doesn't come at once, and sometimes you need to put something next to something to make a mm-hmm. decision. But I just remember thinking that Sue Sylvester would never 
would always be ready to jog and ready for <laughs> like so um yeah and i re i was and i remember talking to jane in the, the making of the pilot i'm like i think this is kind of the best role ever because you're always going to be comfortable you're always just going to be in like a track <laughs> cozy track suit and she was I like was please jealous. oh yeah, me, yeah i was in eight layers of sweaters i know <laughs> I you in, suffered i was in lace and buttons oh, and also you had a lot of like uh, there was a lot of Bjork and and, yes. and mm-hmm. Tina. Yes. Like that was another influence. Like that was a thing. Like remember a lot when of times we couldn't find her? We were like, we want to do the um, I follow, I follow yes. Rivers, and you're right. like, we can't find yeah. Bjork. Yeah, Bjork had fallen off the face <laughs> of the earth. But gladly, we found her. Yes. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It, it this, it's a joyous process, and mm-hmm. also it's really fun. You know, when you guys were all playing misfits so the idea that i always had is this is a group of people who were literally the island of lost toys and when i was a child that christmas musical that had the we're the island of lost toys we're number all misfits. i i was like i should be on that island and i related and i remember lo- all of their mm. outfits were so singular and their looks and i'm like don't want to so be right. something else other like remember the doll with the jelly thing yes. was it the Oh it was all God. these weird things, and I and I never wanted them to change. I wanted them to keep their misfit chic because I thought it was so great. <laughs> Don't be something else. Right. But it's kind of fun how we are able to do that in this business. Well, and also, also the tidbit of, sorry, Kevin, the weird thing mm-hmm. talking about this morning, like that iconic scene in the pilot of being, you know, being a part of something special makes you special. That was shot in a different costume for Rachel, right? And right. you were like, mm-hmm. it's not working. Can't We can't have it like that. No, because she looked like um, a flamingo dancer. <laughs> like it was just like this weird costume. And then we looked at it and like, okay, well, this is the most, this is the thesis statement yes, of the show. Right. And she's not relatable at all. <laughs> it's like people, she looks like Lola Falana. Yes, yes. I remember um, those outfits we had. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. So yeah, we, yeah. we shot it. Y- we reshot it. And, you know, that was also things like that I, I, um, didn't know i you know i didn't have kids then so a lot of those a lot of those that moment came from dana walden and jennifer salky Mm -hmm. seeing the rushes and saying like no and uh, also like what i had originally planned for don't stop believing was completely out to mars and it was it was those two women who said they should just be real people, simple girls and boys who were wearing like clothes from the Gap, relatable. That's their version of a uniform. And I was like, oh, mm. yeah, right, let's do that. So it, it was a very fluid process, um, mm-hmm. the making of that pilot and little things that we would shoot and then throw away and then reshoot. And right. sometimes I would sneak on the lot and do them without permission, which mm. I would pay for later. But um, <laughs> I just, it was always a living, breathing organism until it wasn't. Like, I just kept working on it. Yeah. I was obsessed with it. Yeah. I mean, even as something as simple, uh, like, you watch Don't Stop now, and it seems so simple. Like, we rehearsed that for weeks. weeks. And I filled in for Corey because Corey didn't have a work visa yet. There were, like, visa. five different versions of that number that we yeah, did. Yeah, I, I remember, remember you, co- like, Ryan would come in, you'd come in and be like, I want something Twyla. Try <laughs> <laughs> We were like dancing. We were like full <laughs> Twilight dances. Yeah. Yes. Like, I, I want r- arms up. I want lots of arms up. Yeah. And I mean, you had the a, thing. You had a vision. 
I did have a vision, but I also didn't. My vision was yes or no. So like, mm, I yeah. remember you guys, yes. I do remember we worked on it a lot. And I also knew, you know, also I will tell you, no one wanted to do Don't Stop Believing. Brad, Ian, the studio, no one wanted to do it because it had just been done on The Sopranos. Right. right. And I kept saying, I don't care. <laughs> I just know it's this song because it meant something to me as a kid. Mm. And just the phrase, Don't Stop Believing. Um, and also when I was working on it, more important than the number was the look on Mr. Shoe's face, watching it, remembering his own dreams. And I remember we did one take <laughs> and Matt just kind of started to cry. And then like, that's it. That's what I wanted. And he was like, no, no, that was a mistake. Mm. I was like, no, that's what I wanted. Like that idea of looking back at your life and thinking, I wish I had done something differently and moved towards the person that I was afraid to be. Mm. That's what that song was for me. So mm-hmm. in terms of seeing it, it was, you know, it's that, that Mike Nichols quote of this is, you know, the elephant dancing on the head of a pin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was what that number was. And if it didn't, if that number wasn't working and didn't make you cry, I'll probably cry talking about it. Like it's not going to work. Right. So, there was the big exuberant don't stop believing and then there was the middle of the road one and then there was the one where I think it was like, you know, <laughs> Moomenschance where it was like blue, <laughs> ma- I don't know what you were doing. <laughs> and I just remember we have to distill this down to make it feel like relatable kids yes. yep. who don't know what they're doing but it's kind of good. Yes. And it's just the m- like the, you know, I remember, I remember the moments in shooting that number where some things would matter to me more than other things. I wasn't so much interested in some of the steps as I was 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 interested in Jenna, like how you would fling your hair around mm. or Leah would like do that or mm-hmm. like what that meant, like youth, yes. the exuberant of being free in a space. Mm. You're free on that stage. You're not free in the hallway. So you can fling your body around. I remember being so moved by mm. your hair acting. Like things like that, that and then we did an episode based on (laughs) my my bursting into tears at the youthfulness of hair being flung. But it was like, (laughs) um, it was just, it was such a great, um, we worked really hard on it and we, we, we were given the time to rehearse and to work things out. And for me to say, yes, no, no, that more of that, do more of that. Um, I was obsessed with the way. Amber would pat her leg at the beginning, like little moments that probably no one ever cared about. These were the things that I obsessed over because for me, they represented Mm. hope, youth, freedom, safety. Mm. I remember when I was in drama club, it was the only place in the world where I felt that I could be me and not be judged. So I was looking for things like that. And, and those were powerful moving things that, and I always also, have this rule in my career where which I learned from Glee which is the most the more specific something is the more universal it becomes Mm. Hmm. so we're making like no one thought a show about a show choir would ever work but the reason it did is because everybody knows what it's like to be misunderstood unseen and bullied yeah everybody and that is the thing that people glommed onto and um I've never forgot it. I'll n- mm-hmm. I've never forgot the the um, the shooting of that episode and the specificity. And I kept, 
you know, I don't know how many takes we would do, sometimes 15. Oh and God. also, I will, I will be honest, like, it was so, sometimes you guys would be doing numbers. You have to remember that we built that auditorium on stage, right? Yes. And we two. would be doing, and I'll, like, for example, when we were doing the um, Trouble Tones mashup of the Adele songs, mm-hmm. Rumor yeah. Has It, and... Um, the best. What was the other song, Jenna? What was that song? Someone, Rumor Has uh, it. Someone, someone, someone Like You. Someone Like You. That was a moment where you guys were just doing it, and Adele was, you know, Adele. And that was a day where I think I said, we're going to shoot the whole day this number. That's what doll we're doing. And everyone on the lot from all of these different departments at Fox, we just came and we sat in the audience. And it was so magical that yep. I think you guys maybe had to run it like 15 times before we kicked people out. Yeah. People would, s- you got standing ovations in the rehearsal, I remember. Yep. Like it was just moving to see young people performing at that level and being able to be creative and the yep. lighting. and It was totally. just kind of nutty and magical. But that's and what ev- I remember, the joy of, of seeing you guys kill it. And also like when we did Wheels, that episode in the first season, <laughs> that number, all of you in the wheelchairs, again, probably not something we could do today. But I remember I thinking... I enjoyed it, though. I enjoyed shooting that. Yeah. yeah. And I remember Paris and I sitting in that, the director, sitting in the auditorium just marveling, like, <laughs> I can't believe, like, that these kids get to sing this song and mm-hmm. talk about, um, yeah, you know, disabilities in this way. And it sometimes yeah. you just felt like you were outside watching it like you couldn't believe what we were getting away with and like okay yeah, totally but i knew when we were doing it the reaction that the audience would feel that way and they did mm-hmm. maybe yeah. not too gangham style but <laughs> <laughs> i think we felt that within it too though even doing it, it especially those first 13 where like you said we had the time and had the care like even when we'd go into the recording studio later on we'd have to record a song basically in 30 minutes. But we had half a day to figure out with Adam Anders, like what are the three parts gonna sound like in right. primary? Right. We didn't know because right. our voices are so different. We were still figuring all that out. And there was so much excitement from every department to figure it out and make it all work together. Right. Yeah. And having you know, people who were designing the sets come out and finally see like what it looked like as everyone's performing, as Andrew Mitchell was shooting it, mm-hmm. you know, with these beautiful steady cam shots mm-hmm. and seeing the joy it brought so many different people for so many different reasons and it just magically working over and over again. Like I remember Don't Stop, which was maybe this one of the simplest numbers we've ever done. Oh, it took we sh- I think we shot that for a day two, and a half. Two days, yeah. Yes. We, we did. did like 70 something takes yes. and you watch and you're like, well, this is very simple. But had you not taken the care, that's the first the musical, like big musical number we had done yeah. like that. And also like directing a musical. Do you know how hard it is to get a light flare to go off <laughs> at the exact moment Leah Michelle puts her head? It was hard. Like yeah. we had never done anything like that. Right. So we had the space to be like. And I just kept saying, that's not it, that's not it, that's yeah. not it, that's it. And yes. then we, we, it, th- really? that took a while. But I just, it was it was like, um, one of my favorite moments in the show was 
when we were doing the vitamin D number. (laughs) And, you know, the story of the vitamin D number was because at that point, you know, we were in the middle of shooting it and I was so tired. And and, um, we noticed that whenever I took a Claritin D for my allergies, suddenly we had the energy to continue on with the screenwriting. (laughs) I took one today. (laughs) But I remember, I remember the day that we were doing, I didn't like the boys part of it. I'm sorry, Kevin, but I was obsessed with the um, Halo walking on sunshine part of it. I remember thinking like, how are these girls going to do this number? Because I had not seen the rehearsal. And just how insane you guys were (laughs) and how much fun you had. That was another day where we just sat there and laughed and watched it all day. And there were so many times where even if we weren't in the scenes, we would all just go watch each other's numbers. Yes. We were so impressed. There were days where you guys would not be filming and you would come in to watch other cast members perform just to sit there and see like, well, what are they going to do? Do you know how often I'd sit in that choir room and be like, I'm getting paid. Yes. To sit here and watch these people get up here and w- perform their asses off. Yes. It's like cathartic I mean, too to, to release and respond to that, it. At that, like, yeah. Level, you know, it's I was like, you guys are so talented. And like, you would have ideas that would push us. Right. Like, you would have me doing songs I never would have picked for myself. Or given a- Amber never used to like do the like yell singing, sort of like, ah! She's mm-hmm. like, I had never done that She's before. Like pretty, pretty and now can you imagine room. hearing her not do that? Right, where right. we were all pushed to challenge ourselves. And then I think you also saw that and then started to sort of implement some of those changes into the characters like right. from our real lives. And that yes. felt <laughs> sometimes it was great, sometimes we're like, This seems oddly <laughs> familiar. Similar. <laughs> yeah, like, what is this? But it was it all came from us being able to just be push ourselves and like Yeah, though those first thirteen, even into year one and two, like I remember that I would never ever do anything on Friday nights because most of the time we would be shooting in that choir room until four in the morning. Yes. On a oh Friday yeah. night. And it was you know, we would all sit around in a huddle in our crappy director's chairs <laughs> and that have given me years of back problems. And yes. we would just like shoot the shit and talk and like make jokes. And, um, and a lot of the things that we would write would come from those moments totally. of like, wait a minute, why are Naya and um, Amber singing The Boy Is Mine? Well, we got to put that in right. an episode. Right. Like mm-hmm. it was like Heather, like Brittany's he- whole character was Brit- based off of. Yeah. The dolphin. Ha- yeah. <laughs> yeah, like moments just hanging out. And you those were like good say times. This. They were. Hi, it's Bethany Frankel. My time on The Real Housewives of New York is a few years behind me. And now I'm ready to put the real back into The Real Housewives. That's where my new podcast, Rewives, comes in. This isn't your typical rewatch podcast. I'm watching only the most iconic episodes from all cities. I'm sharing never-before-heard stories of what happened behind the scenes. And I'm not just pulling in cast members for post-game analysis. I'm doing something a little more interesting. If you've ever seen an episode of The Real Housewives, you know the drill. But beyond throwing drinks and legs, there are lessons about marriage, divorce, friendship, money, parenting, and fame. If you have the right minds, analyze and dig deeper. So I'm bringing on unexpected thought leaders and celebrities to give their take on the chaos. This season, I sit down with Elizabeth Moss, Kevin Nealon, Susie Orman, Griffin Johnson, and more. You'd think that there isn't much to learn from flipping tables and yanking wigs, but that's where you're wrong. Listen to Rewives with Bethany Frankel. 
on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Ryan, like... Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. This show has had so much impact on, like, everybody, right, around the world. But, you know, we talk about us in the bubble and you. um, Like, there's so much media out there. They raises us up, brings us down. But, like, what what do you want this show to leave? And, and and how do you want it to imprint on people, on you, on us? Like, what is it that you want this show's legacy to be? You know, I, I for me personally, right, it, it, I said this at the Corey's memorial service where I said, you know, 
glee was the best of times and it was the worst of times in all of our lives. I think that's true because of the tragedies, because of things. But also the thing that I have learned the older I get is lean into the best of times. And I look at that show and what it did and um, how you, we don't we don't remember, but I'd remember because I forced myself sometimes to go back. That first season when Glee came on, I think attendance and show choirs leapt something like 300% in this country. There was some article, I remember cutting it out and showing it to you back when there was newspapers. <laughs> I, I remember things like that. The legacy of um, a love for music, a legacy of looking at social issues, um, like um, so many episodes that we did that were very heavy and were really about something that young kids, I think the, the legacy of um, examining, you know, high school bullying was a, was a big thing. Coming out was a big thing. Drug addiction was a big thing. There were just so many things that we covered to me that were important. But the legacy that I want to last, which I think is lasting, is this show celebrates music of all kinds. And it is a love letter to musical artists and to um, misfits in high school who can express what they're feeling from song. And that was the conceit that you would just be walking down the hallway and you'd burst into song. But that's kind of what life has always felt to me like. Mm. I just care now about, you know, young kids watching the show who can feel the thing I'm embarrassed about myself is the very thing I should be celebrating. That to me is what the show was about and will always be about. And I'm at the phase now with that show, you know, where it's like, well, there's been enough time. Like maybe we should really ex re-examine it as a brand. You know, should we do um, a reboot of it in some way? Should we do a Broadway musical of it in some way? Like it's sort of like an interesting legacy that I'm interested in doing in a positive way after sort of pausing for a while. Yeah. But I don't know. I just love what it says and what it did. And there will never be in my life another glee, anything close to it in terms of yeah. me feeling so close to it and the feeling that I really did have when I made it, which was just pure love and feeling that I as a misunderstood unloved kid had a moment where maybe I was understood mm -hmm. that's what it means to me it was it's very much that show about how I felt as a kid and how I wish I had a friend like that show mm. like if that show had aired when I was a kid it would have been my friend and I find that really moving and I find it so important that so many young kids do see that show as that and that's what I love about it, and that's what I'll always love about it, and well, that's what I think we all tried to do with it. Are we all crying now? I see tears. <laughs> it's like, it's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's how it feels for me, and I think I don't want to speak for Jenna, but it was it brought us all together. It made us. It was you know meta in that way, where yeah, we were playing characters, but we were those kids. And we did get brought together and did get to have this incredible, wild experience where we felt appreciated and that we belonged. Mm -hmm. And how around the world people 
got to connect with that, connect with us, connect with you. And it's incredible that anything can last that long and still have that that much meaning. And so it's incredible to, you know, be a part of something that has and still does mean that much to people. Yeah, it's sweet. It's it's um I look at it in just such a different light. Like it's the thing that never should have worked that worked. And it worked just because of the group of people who made it and how much we all believed in it. And we just, we had no idea. And like, I've never had that feeling again of let's roll up our, literally like that. That's the reason why you go into show business. First of all, you, anybody in show business is in show business because you are unloved. That's just the truth. And you go into that to try and get this universal feeling of acceptance and love and that you're missing, which show business and success gives you, right? That's what I've learned from my decades of therapy. Mm. But um, I just feel like it was such a wonderful time and I'm glad that we get to, you know, have conversations like this where we're, we're able to look back on it in a fond way yes. like we're not in the pressure cooker of making it and when right. you're in the pressure cooker it's hard but now we're like um old enough and we have enough distance that i hope everybody who did it could see that it really was made with pure love and a great intent yeah. but I, i'm just curious do you guys have any because i'll never talk about this again do you have any <laughs> undying questions you've always wanted to ask me about the show because i feel like there has to be something we didn't talk about or have we talked about everything um i have something dark i was gonna ask about like we were oh, talking, do it we were talking about no we were talking about Corey, and we were talking about but i don't think we ever got to talk about like the decision and the conflict of like actually making the quarterback right like we yes. obviously were very we were contracted and we were going to make it whether we wanted to or not right like we were a part of that but we were given the option to not do it but oh, it were was sort we? of like yeah i think i remember ryan or somebody saying like you don't have to do this but yeah. it felt like i feel like everyone's going to do it i don't want to be the one person who's not right a part of it and yes. then i think a part of it was like we did it for Corey in some way um yeah in hopes that we would get some sort of closure with it in some mm -hmm. weird way so mm -hmm. i'm just curious like we never really got to hear about your guys's side of that decision to like actually do it yeah and make that decision like how finn was going to exit the show that's a really good question because i've thought a lot about that recently and i would not have done that show now i just would not have done it i would yeah. never have I've, i i felt like it was way too raw and way too soon and but this is what happened. So Corey died. And the months leading up to that were very fraught and emotional and difficult to love someone. And, and I had no idea that he had a drug problem. Um, I was naive. I didn't know. No, um, I don't, yeah. And then, you know, I was the person who had to lead the intervention not knowing what to do or what to say mm -hmm. uh, like i was just like desperate for him to live right you know and it was again i had no training for that so when he passed you know there was a decision that we had to make about um do we cancel the show or do we go on and it was a difficult decision and i had a conversation with leah about it 
because she was dating Corey and was very, you know, Close to involved in, in the thing. And it was like, well, what do you want to do? And mm-hmm. it, was a, it, was, it was a big corporate decision. And, and there was a decision after a couple of, of weeks of, well, there's a crew here that's been with us from day one. There are many jobs on the line. The, right. show, the show was still doing well. Um, do you keep it going or do you cancel it? Of course, there's no right answer. Um, and I didn't really know what to do, so I just sort of, I remember after many conversations from a lot of people weighing in, we made the decision to, well, let's keep it going. And if you're gonna keep it going and keep these jobs going, how do you address what happened? Because the male lead of the show you know, died, so what do you do? Do you just pretend it didn't happen? You can't do that. Did he die off camera? That didn't feel right to me. Um, and I just think that with a lot of conversations, we decided to pay tribute to him. Yeah. yeah. And it was something that I remember even then thinking, okay, well, if we're going to do this, people are going to have a lot of feelings. And I don't even remember, I was in such a blur of grief, to be honest and so devastated by his death that, you know, I don't know if I told you guys the story, but you know, I helped him in his intervention and he seemed to have gotten through it in a good way. And then I went off to make the normal heart and I was always talking to him every day and he Mm -hmm. came to the set of the normal heart to be with me and Mm -hmm. he was like my child. and. I remember thinking like, oh my God, thank God he made it. Thank God he's going to be okay. He came to Fire Island and he spent time with me. And I remember thinking like against all odds, he's going to be okay. And then two days later, three days later, he died. Mm. So it was very unexpected. And um, anyway, so we decided to do the tribute episode. And I remember that the one thing that I asked for was that there was a grief counselor on set who at any moment could, you know, People weren't really doing that back then, to my knowledge. But I also remember that not one single person talked to that grief counselor. No. Nobody was interested in really sharing it. And I think that um, it's it's an episode I was able to watch once and edit, never looked at it again. I probably think that it was not right to... Again, it was complicated because as I recall it, everybody had the choice. Do you want to sing? Do you not want to do this? Do you right. want to be in it? Do you right. not want to be in it? If you don't want to be in it, I will understand. Um, it just felt like an impossible corner we were all put in, right? Yeah. Like yeah, there's no right did. or wrong. There's no, it just felt like, and it, it, it blurred to me too. Like I don't remember being given the option, I'm which now like, I remember briefly, but like it it just was one of those things that like I think the grief counselor was like it was just a sign that it was all too soon, too raw. Like nobody was ready to talk about it. Right. Like nobody was in the place to. And also like we were all very, very protective of each other. Like we were all very close on all levels. And it felt like. That we were having to sort of. I had never lost anyone before that I was that close with and I didn't know how to personally deal with it other than like being around all of you guys. 
mm. and being able to like talk about it and I because I, I knew everybody felt the same. And so having, you know, yeah, we're in a scene talking about a character. Obviously, we're talking about our real friend. And then there's a camera on you. And it's like when those things happen, like you don't know when you're going to lose it and not lose it or, and break down. And I remember the camera turned on me and I just got up out of the wheelchair and walked out of the scene. Mm-hmm. And I was just outside the stage just like losing it and crying and and I was like, what is happening? Like, what is going on? Because the separation, and I've watched other show, shows do it too since, just to see, and it is that, you know, there's no correct answer. There's no right way to do it. And I just remember feeling like our little group here is being exposed in a way where by that point too, you know, we were constantly in the press or it's like, I just wanted to, Hud- like, huddle. I think get even closer and protect ourselves and it felt like we were sort of opening the thing to the public and there was also a thing i remember when we had to go to the teen choice awards and accept an award and they wanted us to speak about Corey, and there's all this weird stuff like what is like what is happening where you are still managing a brand and a job but also at the core of it it's like okay one of our closest friends Mm -hmm. is gone and like and we also, yeah, we didn't know what to do. We had never been in this very peculiar, specific well, situation. Well, what do you guys, you know, what do you think we should have done? That's the thing. I don't, I don't know. know. Because creatively, I don't know how you get around it unless right. you do address it. And it also feels like an elephant in the room if you don't address it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very, very difficult. Yeah, and probably not one of the hardest I, I, things ever. Yeah. 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 If I, uh, yeah, if I could do it all over again, I think, knowing now what I do know, Mm -hmm. I probably would have said, you know what, we're going to take a year off Mm. and then we're going to check in and see how does everybody, Mm. even six months. Right. I remember, I remember that everybody had time off after he died. I remember we kept moving the shooting date. Um, but yeah. uh, you know the world was a different place then again yeah. it was yeah. it was such a and everybody who were you know our bosses had great empathy yes uh, none of us knew what to do but i uh, no none of us knew how to handle it none of us knew how to pay tribute to him none of us knew what to do with the business right but all of us did know that when that happened i think our hearts all kind of broke and we were kind of done yes even though yeah. it was it yes. was not we said were. It, we were like okay well that that there, there it goes <laughs> there it's gone the, yeah the spirit of joy of it has left the building yeah. yeah and you know you can keep things going for financial reasons and to keep crew members being paid and again the crew that we had was several hundred people who were with us from the beginning who did depend on those paychecks so mm-hmm. that that was a big thing to be thinking about but right i wasn't thrilled with how it was it just, I, I didn't know what to do. Nobody did. And I think right. we did the best with what we could, but it was very dark. And you were right to say, like, let's talk about that because none of us have really talked about it. Mm-hmm. Like, right. um, yeah. I blocked it out of my memory. I, I do remember, blocked it. I do remember talking to everybody and saying, do you want to sing a song or not? Or what do you want to do? Like, I remember Leah was very. Mm-hmm unsure and that was her idea to sing that song and it was like are you sure okay Oof. like i i don't remember right. i remember everything being very tender and tentative and right. not knowing where to move but if i had to do it again 
Hmm. I wouldn't, I would, we would have stopped for a long time. Yeah. And, um, Different world, right? Probably not come back. I don't think we would have come back. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. Now, if this had happened, I would be like, that's the end. Because you can't really recover from something like that. And right. also, it wasn't like a normal death where someone was sick and you can see them. It happened so quickly with no warning. And we thought things had been, right. first of all, we had no idea. And then it was sort of dealing with the crisis. And um, right. yeah. I mean, it's Not young. A like, fun time. We just have such a young cast to lose so many people that it feels so, I don't know, but much bigger and, and more tragic because it's these people who aren't, haven't lived out their time, right? Or haven't like had the full experience, their full time spent here. So, yeah. And that's again, to be blunt, I think that's part of the reason why none of us have wanted to do anything else with the show because of mm-hmm. respect for, for sure. the people who have passed and like, okay, well, maybe it's fine as it is and if you bring it up again it it maybe it's not right <laughs> healthy to examine these emotions and feelings but maybe it is i don't know the answer i just know that whenever we talk about it with things like this like i'm sure you guys have no idea that there were all of these conversations like about should we or shouldn't we no, you just thought not. like no. okay this is what we're doing you, right. you, yeah. you did not get to see the parent Exactly. Crying in the room on his knees, sobbing, saying, I can't go on. You right. didn't see dad do that. You just saw, okay, here's here's trying to be a leader, and numb. Yes, know. trying to be stoic in front of us, keep it together. And, and in some like, ways, we all just wanted to be together. So what what other way but to come and do the show and yeah. be together and heal together, you know? Yeah. So. And I, yeah. And I remember talking to, like, I remember Telly was in the writer's building and he was just like it's really hard to even just be on the lot Mm. every day even to just be in the same places where we were with him every single day where no matter where we went it was just a constant reminder reminder yeah yeah i I think you're probably right in the the decision probably to have if it happened today that you would just yeah it's a no-brainer right like in in, in hindsight but like you know Again, we live in a different world. That's why, like, these new eyes of, like, watching the show and looking at the show as adults and, you know, with all this time, you know, and space between it, like, it's it's a different beast now. And, like, we look back so much more fondly than the the anger and the pain that, you know, kind of was overshadow- overshadowed a lot of it for a long yeah. time. I also think because a lot of the bad stuff happened towards the end. And so that's the most like, recent I, what memory. Are you, what are you, like, I'm interested in that. Like, what do you define the bad stuff? Well, Corey's I mean, like, death? Corey, I think, you know, the mark of it all, Naya. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the things that happened more recently were losing people we were close with. And then I think there were other things that happened <laughs> towards the end of the show. Behavioral things that well and also the core cast that we that grew into this thing you know like everybody separated like we didn't see half of our friends they went off to new york and half the show was split into two different shows and so it felt like our whole family went you know away and you're like a divorce i'm you know kevin and i are still in the choir room and we're like what's going over you know happening in new york and you're hearing of all these things and you know 
the media wheel is going and the gossip wheel is going and it just felt like everybody took the show and ran with it versus like the bubble that we were able to experience and the love that we were able to experience in the pilot and in that short you know in those first couple of years yeah of course that's the dilemma when you do a high school show right it's like okay well they have to graduate (laughs) and they have to they have to and of course when you're I remember hating that idea. It's like, I don't want to leave this choir room. I'm not interested in going to New York. I don't care about that. I only cared about those kids in that room. And um, Hmm. that was a a creative decision that maybe um, I should have addressed in the writing. Like, I don't know, maybe we had done four seasons and like one of them was like an acid trip and then you got to repeat your senior year (laughs) or something. so the all of you and then it should probably have ended you're once we left, left that behind. choir room and i think that you learn like you know you learn that when you're doing a high school show other people yeah. have struggled with that too you know yeah yeah, um, yeah. i mean there are shows I, on now that they just replace entire casts every two seasons it's just like and here are the new people yeah but but also our show like was we, about the characters you don't want to leave them I think we live in a world now with television particularly where, where the appetite for a hit show is probably three seasons. That seems to be the streaming model, and there's a reason for that. And yeah. I wish – Yeah. but also we did some great things in those last two seasons that were phenomenal and musical numbers that were great. And right. So I, I wouldn't change anything, but I do have regrets. You know, I think what I wish I had really done is to have more – you know, in talking about it with you guys, I wish that we had had more sort of state of the unions meetings where mm-hmm. the, you were allowed and I was allowed to sit with you guys and say, okay, this is where I am. What do you want to know? Like, cause I would have told you, Right. it, it was just like, it, we were always in different places and running around and just trying to keep up. Yeah. I just remember that feeling like I'm trying not to drown. I yeah. am, I am paddling as fast as I can. I did not have the, the resources or the training or the skills to really do it or know what I was doing, and I was faking it till I made it. Of course, now I would be able to handle it in a completely different way right. and many relationships in a very different way, um, huh. and I wish I had. But um, but you're able to do that now, and you're able to be yeah a parent like a, a more well-rounded human probably because you did go through all of these things. Yeah, I mean. I would love to come back on your podcast and really go through some of these later episodes that I did direct and tell you, like, because I like talking about the joy of it. Like, I enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, you tell us when. Come back. (laughs) Like, I really want to talk about, um, well, this is the pilot, but, I mean, there's so many great, I mean, episodes. Like, have me back because I want to talk, like, I love love talking about. Madonna. Well, the Madonna one, we can talk oh. about that right now. But like, yes, like, <laughs> I mean, there's so many. I will come back for Madonna, but okay. I want to, like, even talking with you guys about the joy of of the Adele mashup or oh, the vitamin God. D number or oh Don't Stop God. Believing, just sitting here talking about, God, we had so much fun. <laughs> we were all just fans. Like, mm-hmm. we were fans. Totally. And A- Amber Riley is the one who first turned me on to Adele. She was the one who said, have you heard this singer? (laughs) Um, Kevin, I think you were the first person who told me about Lady Gaga because you guys were on some show with her. And I'm like, who's Lady Gaga? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did an MTV appearance. So uh, these were just like um, creative 
moments where we're like, I love this person, listen to this or check yeah. out this or remember this. And then, you know, it was my job to inform you guys of ancient Barbra Streisand songs. <laughs> I knew own. none of the musical no, no, no. theater. I knew that. I knew that. I, know. I didn't know any musical theater. Are you kidding? I remember, I've told the story a billion yeah. times, but I don't know if you knew this, Ryan, that when Kristen Chenoweth was doing Maybe This Time, during between one of the setups, I was walking around the halls with her. I was like, I had never heard this song before. You sound great. And <laughs> you never like, heard oh, the Liza baby. version, right? Right. Yeah. And I, Little and Kevin. I no idea. I was like, so I come from pop R and B music. We we fixed that. We fixed. But it. you yeah. you cannot you fix me now. Imagine how heretical and bizarre it was to be doing a Kandarin Ebb song <laughs> on a mainstream network television show. Like that's just so weird. And we did that. You well, I mean, do that's it now. to sing and dance on TV. It was like a dream come true. You know, it's like everything. You either have to choose between TV or Broadway, right? Like mm. that's my whole life. People were like, "Oh, you have to choose one: acting or singing." Right. I'm like, "No, I can't." Right. And then here we this are. happened. Yeah. Um, please come back, Ryan. We we well, are. Well, I'm coming back for Madonna. So, yes. like, what was that episode Great. 15 or 16 okay, of good. season one? We'll so, how are you? Tell me, guys, how you guys are going to do this show? Because I love when you guys talk about glee and i have kind of we've had conversations but i i've always been i've never let anybody else do anything like this except for you two because i do <laughs> believe that you have a love of the show we do and that we you do. believe in the message of the show and i trust you implicitly so tell me like how do you do how are you going to do this this show that i think people are going to really enjoy do you do an episode a, a week one episode a week okay yep and we'll go through the episodes and then we're going to Obviously, go through the actual narrative of the episode. Go through the characters and all that. Brief. Tell our half hour stories, like. memories, right? And then there's sort of all the other fun things that we can add in. You know, a addressing some of the crazy, like TikTok rumors and things that dispel sort some of those sort of things. Wait, Talk tell me about those. What are those? Oh my God, it's crazy. Kevin Don't ever can go tell on TikTok. It's so uh, what's a TikTok rumor? Place. Uh, so this is, I think, what started the Glee resurgence during the pandemic was TikTok. TikTok. Okay. There's Glee talk because the algorithm can get so specific that people started sharing all of like their favorite or most hated or wildest conspiracies about the show. But also like Glee is still being talked about yeah. in 2022, as you know. And so like let's talk about what people are talking about the show currently. Yeah. And address some of those things. I mean, we also wanted to like bring on some of the actual artists that we covered mm -hmm. this time around. Like I'd love to know Steve Perry's, you know, view of how Don't our stop. version of Don't Stop, you know, how that affected his career, if at all. And he like was what that he meant was he was the first one when I was on my bender about I have to get this song. He was supportive from the get go, wow. and I remember he came to set. Yeah, I remember meeting he him. He was very yeah. lovely and just got it and got. And I think I had a very brief conversation with him about. I'm interested in this song because of X. Um, yeah. And that's, we may have questions for you, too. I should Maybe have a we'll segment on your show you. called True or False, where you just ask me questions and I'm only allowed to say true or false. Great. Okay, great. Let us let us stew on it and come up with some really good ones. Yeah, it's funny because I'm elderly now, but I do have a <laughs> nine-year-old who I let watch TikTok sometimes, and he's always saying, like, your show is really popular on here. Right. And I'm like, what do you, and then I try and research it and I can never find anything. I have fallen into the YouTube. There are all of these compilation things where it'll be like, 
you know, Sue Sylvester's greatest moments or yes. 100 of the most insane things that they <laughs> actually put on Glee. And I'm yes. like, yes. oh, my God, how did we do that? Right. Mr. Shoe's creepiest moments. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Things uh, that age well, things that didn't age well. Things Glee that didn't predicting age well. the future. Yes, Glee predicting the future yes. is a big thing. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about stuff like that, okay. too. Okay, well, I'll come in and do a true and false segment. Okay, we're going to add that Great. in. We're going to add that in. Ryan, you're the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you this for seriously all of it. Thank you. I think we should also have a segment called We Did This Right, <laughs> and I think we should have a segment called We Really F***ed This Up. Great. Yeah, I think yeah, that's right. There were some things, right. you know, that you don't know that you're just trying <laughs> yeah. to the churn of it. You know, <laughs> mistakes yeah. were made, but a lot of things we did right. So we did, we did. Love you guys. Thank you for having Thank me. You, Thank you, Ryan. Love this. you. Okay. All right. Bye. See you soon. Bye. What a conversation with Lady Ryan Murphy. Um, <laughs> it's no truly incredible. Um, we're just so grateful to him. And um, we can't wait to recap the pilot with you guys next week. We're going to go back and chat about what really happened. That's what you really missed <laughs> um, in the pilot. And so make sure you go watch that this week and join us next week. And follow us on Instagram at and that's what you really missed pod. Follow Kevin, follow me for all of the Glee Insider tips. <laughs> Are we trading? We're trading tips. We're Wait. trading tips. Uh, trading stocks. Trading right. tips. Thank you so much for your support these first two weeks. Please yeah. um, also let us know who you want us to have on the pod. And we'll do our best to try to get all our, our friends and fans to come on and talk about the show. So see you next week. Thank you for being here. Bye-bye. Bye. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.